Here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, reading from verse 1. First Samuel 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. And the word, of the, Lord were, of the, the word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. And it happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. That the Lord called to Samuel, and he said, Here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and he lay down. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose, went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called to Samuel again for the third time. And he rose and he went to Eli. He said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you, that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in this place. Then the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew, because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or by offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning, Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. But Samuel was afraid to tell Eli his vision. Okay. Really interesting story. God called Samuel. There were four callings, actually. The first three, Samuel being a boy, and and, uh, Josephus, who was a writer around the time of Christ, actually wrote about this passage. and, And he had information and said that Samuel was around 12 at the time. We don't know, the scriptures don't tell us all we know that he was a boy. It says that uh, uh, in verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord been revealed to him. So Samuel, in that sense, that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, may be that he had never received a word from the Lord, or it may be that he was not yet regenerate that there was not that, that experience in his life where the Holy Spirit had entered into his life. But in any case, God calls three times, and then a fourth time. The first three, Samuel gets confused. He's never heard the voice of the Lord. He thinks it's Eli calling him. So he goes to Eli. Finally, Eli perceives what must be happening, and he 
redirects Samuel and he says, okay, if you hear it again, just say, your servant is listening, Lord, speak. And on the fourth time, in verse 10, the Lord at other times, it says, came and called him at other times, Samuel, Samuel. There was that name twice. God had used that before. For example, in Exodus 3.4, He had said, Moses, Moses. It means a special time of calling when He calls the name twice. A special time of calling in the Scriptures. But what I want to focus on today is this first verse. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. So, Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. In some way, his service to Eli was considered ministering to the Lord. And we see down in verse 15 that Samuel laid down until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. So part of his job was to wake up and to open the doors of the house of the Lord and get get things ready and get things going. Here the boy was ministering to the Lord by serving in the temple. So, ministering to the Lord doesn't just mean getting a guitar and sitting there and singing praises to God. That can be ministering to the Lord. But ministering to the Lord in this context is very much service to those others in the temple, namely Eli and what he was instructed to do, and his work in the Lord. So service is very much, ministering to the Lord is very much service in the body of Christ. Service in carrying out things that God has called us to do. This is ministry to the Lord. It is service in this way. Each of us has a place of service, but what does ministering to the Lord look like? What does such service look like? Well, it obviously changes throughout our lives, in some sense. Here was the boy. His job at this time period was to wake up and open the doors of the house of the Lord. It was probably to clean up, to get things going, to pick up the trash, to pick up the litter, to, to do things. He was too young to offer up the offerings, so there was a job for him. Clean up the parking lot, whatever these tasks were, this was his job. Ministry to the Lord takes different forms as we progress. Look at, uh, look at some of the things that Paul went through in his ministry to the Lord. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul goes through some of the things that he went through in his service to the Lord. And so when you look in the latter part of the book of Acts, you see a lot of Paul's service to the Lord. And then other parts of it are revealed in the epistles. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he gives us just a glimpse of his life. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Okay, so Paul is giving us a glimpse of how he ministers to the Lord in service. He went from church to church, from city to city, 
either establishing churches or revisiting churches that he had already been to. He would first go into a city, and the first thing he did was he would communicate with the Jews. He wrote, Paul wrote, the gospel is first to the Jew. And you say, well, then the Jews rejected it, and he went to the Gentiles. Yes, in that town. And then the next town he went to, he went first to the Jews. He would go to the synagogue, or he would go to the place... If there were not ten men, there wasn't a synagogue gathering. He would go, for example, by the river, and there was a group of Jewish women praying, and he would go there and start to minister. He would go first to the Jew. If he could establish a church among them, he would establish the church among them. And if the Jews in that town rejected him, he would go to the next town. But he's giving us a glimpse of what happened. You think he always had success? Look at what he went through. He says, in far more imprisonments. So, not just more imprisonments than the other, far more. So, how many times had he been in prison? Several times we were given account of in the scriptures, but we don't know the total number of times. And in fact, when he wrote this, it wasn't even his final couple of imprisonments. Beaten times without number. He doesn't even remember how many times he has been beaten. His ministry to the Lord brought him into times of beating. Uh, uh, Often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. So the Jews were allowed to whip a man 40 times. But lest they violate the law by going 41, they would always stop at 39. So a beating was, a, a, a judicial beating came with 39 lashes. He says... Five times I received from the Lord, from the Jews, 39 lashes. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I, I spent in the deep. So he says, three times I was beaten with rods. That is really a wicked beating. I just got back from Singapore and they described to me caning. Beating, being beaten with a cane. You know, if you get, say, four lashes with a cane, you think, okay, one, two, three, four. Oh, terrible pain, you're done. No. You get hit once. Then you stay in a prison hospital and recover. When a doctor says you're able to sustain the second, you go back and you get hit again. You go back to the hospital and recover. When a doctor deems you able to get hit again, you go back for your third. Now, this is because they say that you can't take more than a few blows without dying. That's how painful it is. It just shears the body right open. That's how it is in Singapore. Here there was no such thing. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. We have that occasion in the book of of, uh, Acts where he was stoned, where he had stones cast upon him and they thought he was dead. He was not dead. It says they thought he was dead. They dragged him out of the city, and then he sat back up, and he said, through many tribulations, we enter the kingdom of God. And he went right back into the town and started preaching. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I I have spent in the deep. Three times shipwrecked. Wouldn't once be enough, Lord? I mean, didn't didn't I kind of learn what, what needed to be done? One shipwreck could be enough? But no, three shipwrecks. He had spent a night and a day in the deep. 
I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? So, that gives us, you know, a a one-paragraph snapshot of Paul's life. This is what he went through. These are some of the things that he saw. And he had... It says that he had been in labor and hardship. And even in in verse 26, it says, uh, dangers among false brethren. He had been in dangers among false brethren. People will bear with a lot, but then when believers start, you know, playing games with them, or so-called believers, you know, they want to leave the church. This man went out and did all of these things. You know, I was just talking with my mother this morning. So, so she and I call, talk to each other. My, my mom and dad call me every, every Sunday. And so the two of them get on the phone and I talk with them every Sunday morning. And I'm glad to do it. But um, she was telling me, I said, how come you're, you're not hurrying to get to church? She says, well, I haven't gone to church in, for three weeks. I said, well, what's wrong? She says, well, I have a cold. And she says, uh, you know, at my age, because now she's 78 or 79, and she got saved at 70. She says, I told the pastor I'm probably not going to come much anymore. And I said, how dare you say that to the pastor? Do you think you're the only one who's ever not felt well? You get up and you go to church. You know, you you can't just sit at home. You have to go to church. If you're coughing, just sit in the back. But you go to church. This is something that we're to do. This is part of our service and ministry. You know, and to think, well, you know, I'm 78, 79, I can stop going now. No, not true. There is a work of service that he has to, he's called us to. You know, if, if, to get this feeling like, oh, you know, I have, a, I have a sinus headache, I'm not going to church today. That's wrong. You think you're the only one who's ever had a sinus headache and been asked to call and serve God? I mean, look at what this man has been through. Through many sleepless nights, hunger, thirst often without food and cold and exposure. Oh, well, I haven't had breakfast. I can't go to church. No. Many, many people have preached, have served, have done their role of service in pain, buckled over in pain, wanting to be just lie down, but they wouldn't because they're there serving God. Ministry to God is a powerful and important thing. And we don't let small physical things keep us aside from it. Typical, typical scenario is young couple has a child. And they get the child all dressed up for church. And just as they're going out, the child's diaper explodes. And it's all, oh, well, we can't go to church today because the child's... No! You just pull the stuff off the child, stick them in the sink, wash them off, put some other pants on them and go! This is what life is. I mean, we had four kids. We never, never throughout their whole life missed church. If one kid had the flu or something, one of us would stay home with the kids 
with that kid and the other one of us would go with all the other kids to church. You don't let these sort of things keep you back or hold you down. You don't let these things stop you because if the enemy sees that these small things can stop you, he'll throw all sorts of things in your life. You know, all sorts of little things. Ministry to the Lord is serious business. This little kid was ministering to the Lord in service to Eli. This is important work to do. Something that we are ought to be about. You see what Paul went through. You won't be the first person to minister to the Lord and not feel particularly good. Well, I can't go to church today because I got to bed late. Well, too bad. You go to church. Watch. Your body will not die. You will be okay. You will not die. And if you do faint in the church, they'll call 911, they'll put you in an ambulance, and they'll take you to the hospital. All right? I mean, you'll be taken care of. Somebody will look after you. But this is part of service to Christ. This is the picture of one man. Now, not everybody is going to go through this type of thing. But remember, apostles went through this type of thing. Apostles went through this. The only one of the disciples, of Jesus' disciples, that was not killed was John. The disciple John died on the island of Patmos, but he was banished to the island. And he was the only one of that circle of, of, of twelve that did not abandon him at the cross. So there was nothing he had to prove. The others, it had to be proved by their death that they were so devoted to him. For John, John never abandoned him. You know, he was there at the foot of the cross. But you see this picture of service. But again, service takes different forms. Look in, in Acts chapter 9. You look at the life of a, of a woman named Tabitha. Her service was different, different than Paul's. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Acts nine thirty-six. Now in, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. Okay, so you see... Her work of service. This woman was abounding in deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. This was her role. This was the way that she ministered in the body of Christ. This is what she did to minister to the Lord. Just like Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. In service to Eli, he was ministering to the Lord. Her ministry to the Lord was she had this gift in abounding in deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. This woman was a kind woman, always doing kind acts and showing charity. And it happened at that time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him imploring him, do not delay in coming to us. So Peter arose and went with them. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. So she would make tunics and garments and give them away. 
This was part of her service. Clothes weren't, you know, they didn't have the gap or something. You, you didn't just go shopping like that. So this woman would make clothes and give them away. And they were showing Peter, look at the kindness. Look at how she sewed this stuff for us. Look at what she did. This was her calling. But Peter sent them all out and he knelt down and prayed and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and raised her up and calling the saints and the widows, he presented to her alive. He, he presented her alive and it became known all over Joppa and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. So, you see this, this work of service. Everybody has a different role of service and a different place of service. And it changes throughout your life. And it starts in this way. It starts with simple, small things. And if you're faithful in that, it goes to larger things. It starts with setting up chairs. It starts with you know, setting up a breakfast. It goes to teaching Bible studies where you're called to teach. It goes to sharing. It goes to going out on witnessing where you, where you purpose to go out and you share. And then it go, rises up to, to roles in the church where you may be teaching a Sunday school class. And your children will see you do that. And it is a good example and a good model. And it goes into other things. You know, you may go into the pastorate, but that is a full-time job. But most jobs are for the layperson. Most of the work in churches gets done by the layperson, by the ministry. It, it, it's, it's, you know, serving in upward basketball. These types of things. Tremendous to do this. And as you do it, you are blessed. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. There is tremendous blessing in using the little things that God has given you. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. Well, what is it? If you go back to verse 1 of Matthew 25, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to. And in the first example, ten virgins who took their lamps. But the second example, so that it is the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven, in verse 14, for it, which is the kingdom of heaven, is just like a man. You want to know exactly what the kingdom of heaven is like? It is just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gave five, gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. 
Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And to the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But the one who does not have, even what he does have, will be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, in the place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. He has this image where he says, this is just like the kingdom of heaven. The master gives talents, abilities. If you use them, you get more. The more you use them, the more you get. God has given me talents. If I use them for his service, he gives me more. He gives me greater ability with those talents. Has God given you talents? Has He given you ability with children? If you use that, He will give you greater ability with children. He will also raise you up into new things that you never thought you could do. If you use what God has given you, He promises to give you much more in abundance to those that do not use what God has given them. To those who refuse to use what God has given them. It says, even what God gave them will be taken away. It will be taken away from them and given to the one who uses what God has given him. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, too bad. It's up to God. God's not into this communist sort of thing that everybody's going to be equal. He never was. He says that if you use what God has given you, He will give you more. And He will take away from those who don't use it and give it to you. And for those that don't use it, it isn't just, oh, you naughty little slave, you never should have done that. No, it says, throw out the worthless slave into outer darkness, into the place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sounds to me like hell. Not a pleasant place. If we don't use what God has given us, we start turning in on ourselves and we start complaining about everything. You know, I heard a man tell a story. About almost 30 years ago, I heard this story. Very interesting story. He said that he was at this retreat center, but he was really tired. And the, the other people at the retreat center were all going to go out and go out sharing the gospel, go out witnessing. And he thought, you know, I'm tired I'm just going to sit here and enjoy my Bible. And so the others went out, and they were all excited. They went out, and he just sat there at this retreat center, and he started reading his Bible, and he thought, boy, it's a little warm here. So he got a fan, and he set it up. And 
was, you know, blowing on him as he was reading his Bible. And thought, boy, uh, some, some cookies taste real good right now. So he went to the kitchen and he got some cookies and started to eat the cookies. And then after a while he thought, boy, I, I really need a glass of milk with this. So he got up and he got a glass of milk and brought it over. So he had his cookies and his milk and his fan and his Bible. And he said the whole night went on where he was trying to do something to make himself a little bit more comfortable. And he never really quite got into the Bible. And later on that evening, the whole group came back so excited about God and what God had done that night. And here he was, just full of himself and really not very happy. If we don't serve the Lord, we will start to look in in ourselves and it will become a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. In service and ministry to the Lord, there is great blessing and there is overflowing. There is outpouring and overflowing in service and ministry to God. Turn to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to read verse 6. Now this I say... He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 2 Corinthians 9.6 If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. Would you like your careers to be blessed? How many people don't want their careers blessed? Just want to have a terrible career. Okay. So, the rest of you want to have your careers blessed. I will give you a secret. You serve God and your careers will be blessed. God will bless you. How many of you would like to have a good home? A good family? Okay. How many of you want to have a lousy home? Lousy family? Okay. If you serve God... He will bless your family. As you teach them service, He will bless them. That doesn't mean that your kids every second are going to be walking with God. They will go through phases like all of us have gone through. But in the end, you will see, God will bless. God will reward. If you sow bountifully, you will receive bountifully. If you are generous, people will be generous with you. If you are stingy, they will be stingy with you. This happens in the workplace. It happens in the church. It happens in social lives. It happens in the body of Christ. As you give of yourselves, you give and you minister to God, you will be blessed. He has given you talents. We say, well, I, I just don't know where I should serve. I can give you, I can give you a place to start. All right? You don't know, I know. You come early and you help us set up breakfast here. Come early. All right? Well, you know, I, I didn't really have that in mind. No. So the thing is that you, it's not a question you don't know where to serve. It's that you don't want to serve. There are plenty of opportunities to serve. You don't want to serve here? Agape ministry on campus. You go and you help them set up for their Friday night meetings. That doesn't mean you show up five minutes after the meeting starts and you sit there and then you leave at the end of the meeting. No, it means you go there beforehand, you help them set up, 
and you help them break it down and take it down afterwards. You find some place of service and you serve. And then you do that faithfully and other opportunities will open up. It very often starts just like it started with Samuel. Opening the doors for the house of the Lord. Picking up the trash around the house of the Lord. Doing this type of physical labor is often where it starts. Working with children, often where it will start. And then God will bring you up. You don't just walk and say, I think I... I'd like to just get in that pulpit. That's my ministry. I think that's where I should serve. Just tell the church what they ought to do. Doesn't happen that way. Not going to happen. You learn to pick up trash. You learn to clean the restrooms. You learn to do that sort of thing. And God will bless you. God will bless you abundantly. You know, when there, when there were mission trips, people always knew who were going to be the top ones. So when the when the when they came in and the, the restrooms were really trashy, the believers that would go into the restrooms and clean them up, those were the believers, time and time again, that were the cream of the crop, that would go further than anybody else in the ministry, the ones that would go and clean the restroom. This is where service starts. You faithfully serve in this way, God will bring you up. Ministering to the Lord before Eli. Ministering to the Lord is not merely picking up a guitar or a harp and playing it to the Lord. It is service. Ministry to the Lord is a place of service. Imagine Samuel if all he did was just sing songs to the Lord. I mean, he would have been no good to Eli. Eli said, go lie down, my son. He called him his son because this kid used to minister to Eli. You do this, and God will bless every aspect of your life. And I am a living testimony. There is no way that I should have come as far as I've come. There is no way. If you say, oh, well, you know, you're so smart, you're so this, you're so that. I am not. Even the guys that I was up against, when, when, uh, when, when I was a postdoc at Stanford, I remember several of us would always interview for the same jobs, and the guy said, used to make a joke. They said, you know, Jim's never going to get a job with all, you know, this person, this person, this person, you know, applying for jobs at the same time. You know, and these were for academic positions. And I knew what they meant. They were absolutely right. These guys ate, drank, and slept chemistry. They knew everything. We would have these group meetings that would go late on into the night, problem-solving sessions. And these guys knew everything. I'm like, what, did you start studying organic chemistry in kindergarten? I mean, how do you know all of this? They knew so much. And I couldn't do what they did because I had a wife, I had two little girls, and I was busy serving in the church. I had a Bible study going in, in, the, uh, in the chemistry department. And I, I had my role and my service in the church and in the body of Christ. I couldn't be you know, reading chemistry all the time. I was waking up in the morning reading my Bible. I couldn't be reading the journals all the time. But God blessed my career much more than theirs. It was nothing, nothing in me. It's not inherent within me. And I'm telling you, if you serve God, He will bless you. I have seen this in my own life. I have seen it in others' others' lives. If you learn to serve God, you will be blessed. There was a house that when I was in college, ten Christian guys lived together. There were a few Christian guys in that house that really got into it. 
as far as waking up in the morning and having, having the, the, the devotional times together and serving in the house. And then there were other guys in the house that all they could do was do their academic work. That's all they could do. They you know, busy and busy and busy. They just couldn't get involved in the ministry and the activities. And it was really interesting come graduation time when you compared the different groups of people. Those who were just pure, I have no time for anything but academics. I just saw their worlds falling apart around them. It, it was, again, one of those dips in the economy. And uh, uh, the one guy who, he was his life to get a job with IBM. I mean, IBM was the company to work with. Because up until that point, IBM had never had a layoff. I mean, IBM was a supreme company. And back in those days, you went to work for a company, you worked for them your entire career. You never left that company, practically. Now, you know, you only work two years and you go from company to company. And then I remember hearing him on the phone because we had one phone in the house and it was down in the kitchen. Just begging IBM, where IBM was saying, no, we, we can't hire you, we're not hiring. It was like his world fell apart. Everything, this guy was working all the time. Then you take these other guys who had, they did their work, their schoolwork, but they also served the Lord. It was like doors were just being blown open in front of them. Everywhere they looked, there were doors opening in front of them. I've seen it with my own eyes. If you will serve the Lord, He will give you more and more and more. More blessings. More blessings. If you just withdraw into yourself, You end up even hating yourself, disgusted with yourself, and you want to draw in all the more. And doors won't open before you, they'll close before you. And say, why why isn't anything good ever happening to me? Because you're not doing anything good to anybody else. You're just reaping what you sow. You sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. You minister to the Lord, you will be blessed. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the truth of Your Word. It is so good. Thank You, Lord, for all You blessed us with. You are so good. Father, I pray You take this Word and place it deep in our hearts that we would minister to You in service. We would minister to You in service. And through that, see Your mighty hand of blessing in every aspect of our lives. Father, thank You for those here that have poured out themselves in service to You. Lord, I pray that I would even be able to catch a glimpse of the joys that You're going to bring in their lives because I know Your Word is true. You will bless them. Lord, may I even see it. And Father, I pray for the others that have not opened up their hearts in service that they would start to open up And serve the Lord in service to you. Father, I pray for your blessings to be upon them. To grant them good and healthy and strong lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen.